Welcome to Mintel's Little Conversation podcast. Welcome to Mintel's Little Conversation, where our experts bring you fresh ideas and new perspectives on how consumers eat, drink, shop, groom, and think. I'm Edward Bergen, global food and drink analyst, all-round foodie, and I am a massive hummus fanatic. Okay, so I am a millennial, that word that's been thrown about for the past 10 years and and how different we are to everybody else. Um, I'm a proper millennial. I was born in 1990. So apologies for those born in the 80s. Um, I'm not yet 30. It's coming up soon. And also, I don't drink alcohol. Um, and some of you out there, some of our listeners, you might be thinking, why is Ed telling us this? What's he, what's he talking about? Well, so today's topic uh, is actually quite interesting. We've titled it The Sober Generation. It refers to how younger consumers, and we call them Generation Z, and n- normally refer to them as under the age of 24, it's the generation below me, a so-called millennial, um, and how they're drinking less, or in some cases, not at all, for various reasons. And what we've done is pulled together a really great and incredible selection of analysts um, who are, are on the call today. We've got Johnny, who's a self-proclaimed Zenial. He's a global drink analyst. Um, he's based in London. We've got Caleb um, out in the US, and he's a US drinks analyst. Um, he's a millennial, just like me. And we've also got Laura, who's an innovation expert. She's based in London. She's from France. And we brought her in as well to offer some reality and a bit of a perspective because she's as close as we can get to this Generation Z. I think she's somewhere on the borderline. Um, say hi, guys. Hi, Ed. Hello. Hello. <laughs> so, Johnny, give a little bit more of a, an intro to yourself. Say hi. Sure. So, um, hi, everyone. So, um, I've been at Mintel for 12 years, and then the majority of that I've spent analysing the global alcohol market. Uh, as you referenced at the beginning of the, the podcast, that I like to refer myself as a, as a Xenial rather than a um, rather than Gen X. Now, a Xenial is someone who's on the border of a, um, a Gen X and Millennial, so it's basically oh, a denial. Nice, yeah, so it suggests that I'm completely in denial and trying to put a positive spin on the fact that I'm now very middle-aged. Oh, no, don't say that. Uh, Caleb. Yeah, hello. My name is Caleb Bryant. Uh, I cover the U.S. beverage industry. Uh, like Ed, I was born in 1990, so I'm firmly a yes. millennial. And I'm uh, excited to talk about the differences that Gen Z is um, really showing within the alcohol market already. Um, I'm Laura, and I'm working also at Mintel, but uh, uh, in uh, more innovation insights. And today I'm here more as a, a proper or almost a Gen Z person uh, here to give more proper insights on what happens really uh, <laughs> and maybe give more like, uh, yeah, going outside of, uh, of the box uh, and bring some reality. Amazing. So let's get going. Johnny and Caleb, can you tell us a little bit about this Generation Z? Who are they? And are they drinking less? Johnny? Okay, so first of all, um, Generation Z are classified as um, age 24 and under. So that means that a lot of them are still teens and therefore are not in legal drinking age. Um, but you've increasingly got the older Generation Z. So in a lot of markets, those who are age 18 to 24. In the US, those age 21 to 24, who are now coming into the alcohol market. And what's interesting about Generation Z is that they are a lot more sober than the, the preceding millennial generation, which makes them a real challenge to, to the alcohol industry. Is the same happening in the US, Caleb? Are you seeing the same trends? 
Yeah, definitely. Um, as Johnny said, we don't have a lot of data on these consumers because mm. most of them aren't of legal drinking age, but some of our reports data does show directionally that these consumers are not drinking. They're, rec they're reporting decreases in their alcohol consumption. And actually, in the U.S., the Centers for Disease Control, they've run this substance use study for decades, I think going back to the 70s, and they've found that uh, underage drinking among this generation is at its lowest points ever recorded. Wow, gosh, okay. Um, Laura, as a, the, the, for today, our Jen said... Um, do you is are you seeing this happen? Like, are you seeing a change? Like when I when I remember growing up as a millennial, it was like cool to go out and get drunk with your friends, and um, that was seen as you know I had to try and get a fake ID and 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 go out clubbing and try and drink before I was eighteen, and to be seen drinking was was seen as to be part of the group. Has there been a change? Are you seeing it from your friends now? Um, I will be totally honest and transparent. I wouldn't say it's totally like we don't drink anymore, but in a way I agree because mm. we definitely see something in that sense. Um, it's really hard to measure, I, I, I guess. Um, but I think we're having more kind of um, conscious way of drinking also more planning ahead uh, the week we will have activities because we are a very busy generation uh, we always have yeah. many things to do like getting i don't know we have a gym session we have a class of something and then we go to the cinema or something and we have so many options also to stay at home so there is all these different aspects of our um young generation lives that makes us more in control also if if, if i can say of what we do um and also i reckon that um, I don't want to go too much into details for now, but we, as we plan it, we're also more um, into the quality and the quality matters um, on gen mm. in general on what we do. I think uh, we are more aware about like kind of what happens in general. So I've got a question for Laura, actually, because I'm really interested. <laughs> in I keep reading about how Generation Z hates hangovers. Now, when mm. I was growing up as a, as a zenial, you know, hangovers were something that you just got on with. You just kind of uh, carried on. You, you weren't very functional at work, but you just got on with it. Um, I, I, I read and I hear that actually generations that hate hangovers and will do anything to avoid them and are coming up with terms like hangxiety, where, oh. you know, you often hashtag anxiety. anxious um, and, and uh, off-piste in your, your mental health when, when you're hungover. Is, is there any kind of truth to that um, from, from what you see? Yeah, I agree. I think we hate hangovers and like we are trying to find uh, remedies like, uh, you know, the, this specific de detox juice or something that will help us to uh, get over the day after and uh, continue as if nothing happened the day before. Um, so, I d yeah, I agree for that. I just I recommend a uh, poached egg breakfast on toast with some grilled beef tomatoes, some avocado and some hummus to dip with on the side. But that's just me. Well, why, do you, why do you always mention hummus, Ed? It has to be said. Um, oh, it's really interesting because I, 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 I'm going to get into this. This like wh why? Um, because they, we, there's so many reasons. And the reason I always think of is when I was growing up, we didn't really have a camera phone at 18. I think the first one came out. You had a little flip phone, and you could take the tiniest little photo ever. Um, but now I'm thinking that if you get drunk or if you're hungover, that could be on the internet forever. And we don't really want that to happen. Um, so is that affecting them? Is that one of the reasons why? Caleb, do you see that? Um, I disagree with that slightly. I, okay. you know, as a millennial, when I was in, in university, um, social media was a thing. Mm. Uh, every, 
most people had a smartphone at that time. Um, Instagram was around. It wasn't nearly as big as it is now. But this idea of being caught on camera, recorded, it did exist then. Um, perhaps the younger generation does view it differently. I think that the social mores are such that you don't record or take photos of someone who's really drunk. I think that there is kind of like a stigma against that. You're not going to post that online without your friend's knowledge. And if you are, you're kind of a jerk. Um, <laughs> but I think, I think more so it's kind of what Laura mentioned that I think there are just the way that people are interacting with each other, the way that we are socializing, especially the younger consumers is very different. There are just simply more options for people, more entertainment options. You don't have to go to a bar to meet people and to socialize with people. You can talk to your friends online. There is now Netflix. You have unlimited entertainment options mm. to you within the home, video games, um, just other activities that you can do outside of drinking, um, especially on-premise drinking. So it's just less face-to-face -face socializing. It's just more in the digital world or just people are a bit more recluse. They're, they're just sort of a bit more isolated. Is that driving it a little bit? I would say so. Um, and certainly in some instances, more isolated isolation but um i i don't like to to paint the picture that this is a mm. young generation that's only on social media i think that they are just utilizing different technologies for socialization whether that be facetime or instagram mm. or still they're still meeting up in person for social activities there's a couple of things I'd, I'd add to that as well. Um, first of all, Heineken have done some interesting research showing that um, certainly amongst younger millennials, control is a big factor in them not wanting to get too drunk. So I think social media is an element to that. Uh, but I don't think that social media is the main thing that's driving this. And I, I actually think the main thing that's driving it beyond social media or beyond uh, the agenda Z being very busy is the fact that health and healthy lifestyles is now such a big factor in, in decision making. And when I was younger, um, being healthy was not cool. Um, being vegan was not cool. Being healthy was almost a bit weird and a bit niche. I think that's completely changed. And I think the context that younger people are growing up in is that actually um, it's really, really important to look after your, your, your health, uh, both from a, um, a, a wellness lifestyle, but also for, from a beauty perspective as well. And Johnny, I just you just mentioned veganism, and I find it really interesting because it's kind of the same, I would say, the same area in this generation, um, my generation, where you have so many options, and it's not because you're vegan or you don't drink that you're seen as someone like not cool. Uh, it's totally true, and uh, you, you have different levels of this kind of uh, choices. You can be vegan, but you can be vegetarian or flexitarian, as you can drink, not, not drink, uh, or drink just less, or drink mocktails or stuff. So it's something that is quite new, I think, in that sense, and that, that can be linked to not only drinking, but more a global social aspect. Yeah, and I often use that analogy of a flexitarian when I describe the, the Gen Z to clients. So it's not that Gen Zs are just teetotalers and that they never drink alcohol. It's more that they drink alcohol less mm. and they're just like flexitarians are not vegans. They're people who like meat but occasionally will dip into veganism. It's the same with, with alcohol. So what we're seeing, the real challenge for, for alcohol brands is that not that consumers uh, of the younger generation have stopped drinking but that they're drinking less. 
less. So really, it's up to brands to make sure that they're spending more to make up for that, for that lost volume. I think that that health and wellness component is such a major contributor to this for, yeah. the, for Gen Z and also for the millennials. And actually, the, when you look at what alcohol brands are outperforming their competitors, a lot of them, especially within the beer category, tend to be more health-focused. Michelob Ultra is one of the only large beer brands that's seeing any real growth, and they have a very, very um, health and wellness-focused uh, marketing campaign. Um, in the U.S., of course, has been the absolute explosion of hard seltzers, White Claw, um, which I think a lot of people perceive as being a more healthful option. And as Johnny said, um, these consumers, a lot of them are drinking, but they are making those more maybe health-conscious decisions, mm -hmm. whether that be drinking less in total or they're making a switch to what they perceive to be a more healthful drink. I read a really cool article, and rather than call them Generation Z, they call them Generation Me, and this idea that you're, you're, you, as a person, you're so much more individual, you're no longer part of, as part of a group as you used to be, and therefore you, you make, it's much easier to make a personal decision, and it, it, this reminds me of that, that consumers are much happier to say, you know what, I do what I do, I, can, I should still be, you know, have my friends that maybe don't do the same things as me, and um, I think that's great in some ways, and it's a really positive way to view the world. Yeah, I think that the the views of consumers around not drinking are changing or shifting. I think that it's just becoming a lot easier for consumers not to drink. I think that for a for a while there, there might have been some it, it, like the idea of teetotaling. It was maybe associated with re religiosity, mm -hmm. or um, it was more kind of a less common thing to to not drink. Um, but now we have terms popping up in our vernacular like mindful drinking or sober curious. Um, in some instances, it's becoming kind of trendy not to drink. When you see things like dry January, um, th those kind of challenges or decisions not to drink are kind of permeating. It's funny that Veganuary is the same month as Dry January. <laughs> dry January is fun for me. <laughs> I'm going to read you out one of my favorite quotes, and this is from Chloe Combe, who's done a lot of um, studies and written books about Generation Z. And she says that teenagers are thinking that if they don't drink and take drugs, if they sit at home drinking green smoothies and meditating, they'll be beautiful and have really shiny hair and shiny <laughs> Tiny hair looks great on Instagram. <laughs> <laughs> it doesn't necessarily poo poo's it a little bit um, I think there's a there's, it's funny it, it sort of sets out really nicely um, I've got and one sorry other... Laura oh sorry Laura you said you did Jai January and no, enjoyed right, it no I didn't but actually oh. a few friends of mine did um, rather than the UK or even France and it's, it's funny because like it, they found it very um, kind of difficult <laughs> to be honest a month without one one drink um but they didn't stop afterwards so it's really kind of a self-conscious uh healthy things after i think uh, maybe the, the holidays and, and everything around it uh, kind of a challenge so it means that there is something behind it if it's the challenge also and it can raise other questions afterwards but um they didn't stop drinking after all the only other question that's come to mind, and it's what millennials complain about most, and, and I don't, the generation below that, there's a, the, there are all the generations, the self-proclaimed zennials have ruined the world for the rest of us. We've got no money, we can't buy houses, we can't... I blame the baby boomers. Baby, baby boomers. <laughs> now, 
Does you think, especially when they're out, that actually price has something to do with it, that they have just less money in their pocket and they can't spend £13 on a crazy cocktail. They, they'd rather go and buy the food instead. Is that something to do with it? I think that um, they, we tend to see with the younger generation that they spend a lot of their disposable income on food and drink. So I think probably what's happening with this younger generation is, is they're spending more of their disposable income on food at the moment than on alcohol. But there's a real opportunity for premium alcohol brands to take more share of that money because this is a generation that is a real foodie generation and that if you tempt them with, with, with a, an alcohol and alcohol-free version that you know, is genuinely exciting and, and tasty and enticing, they, they will pay for it. You've brought us into the next the next bit, and I think something that we need to discuss before we get to the ending um, is what stories have we got? What do brands need to do about this? Because they need to obviously get in touch with this younger generation to stay relevant. Um, and also, if they are an alcohol brand that may be in hard alcohol and spirits, do they need to rethink what they do? Um, and also think about you know both in food service or on premise and in you know in stores in retail. Um, what have you got? Anything interesting? Maybe if I talk about it from a retail perspective, yeah. um, but I, I think there are clear things that, that companies can do and alcohol clients can, can um, focus on. I think they, they have to realize that the Generation Z are going to spend a lot less on alcohol than previous generations. That's just a fact. Um, however, the, the younger generation are very interested in premium drinks. So I think there really is a chance to um, gain in value some of the, the volume sales that are being lost. Mm. Um, I think secondly, it is about innovating to make sure that alcohol is more permissible. Um, so there are lots of different ways you can do that. A big um, focus from alcohol brands recently has been on non-alcoholic versions of beers, of spirits, and of wines, and the quality is getting much better, um, and actually the acceptance amongst consumers is, is getting higher. Um, and there are other things that, that brands can do as well. So they can dial up naturalness of products. So Caleb mentioned Michelob Ultra, and they've done a great job of really positioning themselves as a natural beer for athletes. So they a recent launch they talk about the use of organic um, barley for example um, and, and that's really got a health halo to it because it, it's more natural are you seeing any brands doing something cool are you seeing any Kalo? or did, any really good brand stories um, i know that there have been some examples of kind of the increase in functional beer launches so that they might have they do contain alcohol but there's some kind of functionality component to it a lot of them are targeted towards athletes for they might have electrolytes or some kind of um, recovery property to them. I think that uh, for the on-premise um, drinking occasion to so bars and restaurants, uh, a big focus is going to be on like unique shareable experiences because this is a very social media focused generation. Uh, they want to have those experiences they can post online. And if the bar itself is unique, different in some way, whether that be decor or the drinks themselves, or we've seen a big increase in pop-up bars, things like that, it gives consumers a reason to go out and have a drink rather than stay inside. Yeah, there is definitely a lot of pop-ups, and especially in London, we've seen so many of them with the spritz, with also mocktail stuff. Uh, it's it's mm. really popular. It brings kind of and uh, people. Have outside. you been to any like an experience drinking evening rather than just going to a pub? 
yourself? Uh, I tried the Spritz one. Yeah, it was in uh, Paddington. Um, it was a nice experience. It's more like to, to also to meet other people. You're outside and you have the branding everywhere. So you know also what you're drinking. Um, but it's, it's more like an occasion, like a, a moment to share with others. Not, not especially around alcohol, but more about the moment, I think. I think actually bars have been really slow, bars and pubs and on-premise has been really slow to adopt this non-alcoholic trend. And actually, especially in markets like the UK, we see that it's retailers, it's big supermarkets that are really leading on this. If you go into a supermarket, you now get massive sections of of non-alcoholic beer and and different types of alcohol. But actually, you go to the bar and you've got very few options. And what the on-premise really needs to realise is that the the new younger generation want choices. You know, sometimes they, they will want to drink something really alcoholic and, and really tasty. Um, other times they'll want a, a mocktail that's got no alcohol in it. Other times they might want something that's really low ABV because they've got a job interview or they've got work the next day. So it's really about giving them a lot more choices than they currently have. And I, I still think it's too difficult for the Generation Z to get the kind of drinking experience that they want in the on-premise. And, and all that's going to do is then push them more towards the, the, this in-home, home-tainment trend. And I know that in the UK and Europe, non-alcoholic beer has a slightly bigger presence. Here in the US, it's still pretty small, but it seems like that's rapidly changing with Heineken 0.0. There are some craft breweries that are doing new and unique things with non-alcoholic beer. I tried one at a conference a couple months ago, and I wouldn't have guessed it didn't contain alcohol in it. And I agree with Johnny that With the on-premise occasions, um, they've been very slow to adapt to changes in reduced alcohol consumption. Um, Mocktails have been a huge white space opportunity for bars and restaurants for years, and it's just now kind of gaining traction. Mm. That's unusual as well, isn't it, Kelly? Because normally the on-premise leads and the retail follows, particularly in the alcohol space. So, but I think there's this idea that, you know, if people aren't drinking alcohol, then they're not spending enough money. And I think there's a whole mindset around that in the on-premise that they really need to, to get over. Is people just more thoughtful at home? And therefore, in on-premise, they're going to a bar because they're going to a bar, and therefore, they're, uh, at home, they're more thoughtful about their drinking, and therefore, they'll try different things. I don't, I don't know. They might be completely wrong here. Generally, people um, are more likely to try new things in, in the on-premise, mm. and then if they like those, then they'll drink them in-home. Um, but weirdly, with um, certainly with a non-alcoholic market, people are being asked to try things that they buy at the supermarket, and then they're not able to get those things in the on-premise. So it's completely roundabout. Okay, awesome. Um, I'm wondering if there's any sort of we're getting towards the the end of this one. I wonder if there's any sort of final thoughts, or maybe um, if either of you you mentioned Heineken 0.0, but if there's another brand or something maybe to go after that you think is notable, that if for our listeners to maybe go and look up and maybe order something to try, um, have you got anything in mind, Johnny? Do you want to go first? Yeah, there's a couple of things. So um, Caleb mentioned that we're starting to see functional alcoholic beverages. Now, uh, originally, I was very, very skeptical about this. How can you um, claim alcohol's healthy? It's a, a toxin, whatever you put in it. Um, but actually, I'm coming around to, to some of the innovations. And there's a really interesting brand called Sufferfest from the US, uh, which positions itself as a recovery beer. Um, so that actually, beer does naturally have <laughs> some electrolytes. <laughs> and they whack in a whole load more electrolytes. There's loads of salt in it. And the whole idea is, yes, you know, it's not necessarily good for you to, to drink beer after running, but actually um, you are, you know, uh, replenishing some of the, um, um, some of the, 
the nutrients and the fluids that you, you did also lose. So, so I can see that having some um, traction, uh, particularly amongst younger men. Well, it was always a thing about when you played Sunday league football. I don't know in the, in the states if you play the same thing, you sort of, uh, football or baseball, or something that after the exercise you'd go down to the pub. Yeah, and, and there still is that. There yeah. still is that. And therefore, that product does fit into that group, which is quite interesting. Um, any other notable brands, Caleb? Um, I would really be interested in trying the new non-alcoholic spirits that are starting to come on the market. I personally haven't tried any, but brands like uh, Seedlip, mm. like Strike, that are uh, positioning themselves as spirits uh, with, without the alcohol. So I don't even know how you call it a spirit, but um, they've certainly been gaining traction, um, especially Seedlip. Um, Diageo is now a majority owner of it. And Strike, I know, has also, I think, attracted some investment. Um, it would be very interesting to try these spirits to see how they actually taste within a, a mocktail. I personally like mocktails, but when I have a spirit, I like that bite of the alcohol. <laughs> so what I'm curious is, are these spirits, quote-unquote, able to replicate that kind mm. of the alcohol it's very taste hard to and bite to it? it. Uh, Seed lips an interesting one because they try and replicate that a lot through smell and aroma. Um, Laura, did you get a chance to to try that that, that seed lip product? Yes, I did. And what did you think from a Gen Z perspective? I'm not convinced. <laughs> <laughs> it's I, I mean it's not the same. It's it's it can be nice as a more like a, a mocktail area or a kind of a yeah. Taste, but uh, it's not we, you, can, you cannot compare it to a proper gin. I found you have to mix it. Um, and yeah, with a mix there, you, yeah. you get those those mix of flavors from from that they describe from the sealant product. But as a product itself, it's very botanical. It's very strong, but but not in an alcohol way, in a very different way. But um, definitely, if you mix it with different things, mix it with one of these supermarket where they sell the flavored sparkling waters rather than um, a tonic works really well because I feel like you get a real selection of flavors. Um, like there's an apple and elderflower that you often see in the supermarket own brand. Try it with that if anyone wants to try Seelip because I think it's a, it's a really good mix. Um, it's my, my only alcohol advice that I can give or non-alcohol as a, advice. As a Zenio, I refuse to pay £30 to buy a bottle of Seelip. It's just never going to happen. There are <laughs> actually fine. a lot of new um, uh, tonics very, with very interesting flavors here and it gives mm. a new kind of a, a boom in the, in the gin and tonics. It's, it's mm. so no, no, not uh, classical anymore and I think it's also a way to make like new flavors, discovering new flavors for the younger generation, make it less uh, alcoholic and maybe a bit sweeter also. You've had from Coca-Cola, the Coca-Cola Signature recently. So they've got their small bottles of, of now mixer products, cola flavors, but they mention things like woody or smoky as like a flavor note to also then mix with drink. Again, it's another way to maybe bring that younger generation in who probably drink, still drink a lot of Coke, um, but uh, uh, you know, with a, a slightly different proposition. So they are seeing brands do um, this cool stuff. No, the guys, that was really, uh, I found that really interesting. Um, I think that we've, we've sort of come up with a few sort of main ideas. One is to just understand the, this consumer group more. They drink less, but they're willing to maybe try more, to try something more premium. They probably like mixers and mocktails and, and maybe more cocktails and those sorts of drinks. Um, and then also there's this opportunity to play with some of those um, flavors, um, we're seeing a lot more botanicals. We're seeing more with sort of health and wellness claims, functional claims coming through into this market to meet the demands of this young and interested and ob experience obsessed generation. Um, 
I found it really interesting. I hope you guys enjoyed it too. Very much. Yes, it was great. Okay, great. Thank you so, so much. Um, so we're going to close. I'm sorry. I hate the end of a podcast. Um, but what we hope is that people um, listen in and maybe get some ideas, go and try something. Um, so to our lovely listeners out there, thank you so, so much. And please subscribe. Please rate this. We want it to be rated five stars. Um, we want people to keep listening. Please review it. You can get it on Apple Podcasts, all the other platforms as well that are out there. We've also just launched, uh, I think this is number 14 or 15 now, um, um, so you know please just keep listening um, and, and keep enjoying you can follow us on linkedin and, and instagram and facebook and, and all those um all those social media platforms too to to get the latest updates um and also we've got a blog um so please follow our blog um to get those really cool insights from our wonderful like these guys our wonderful analysts guys thank you so much thanks ed thanks ed thank you